welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. It is my absolute great joy to introduce our speaker today, uh, who's delivering the third in our series, The Highlands of Faith, exploring the Psalms of Ascent and their relevance to these tumultuous times in which we're living. Iswe Nkosi is a legend. He is right at the heart of this church. He and Anne and their kids are much-loved members of this church family. Uh, Iswe, originally from South Africa, uh, now based in this region is a a passionate gardener Uh, he's a brilliant dad and he carries something the presence of God we just love Isway and so Isway please just go for it now we're so grateful to you thank you Pete well good morning everyone I do hope and pray that you are all well in this um, in this forever changing landscape of the year 2020. Um, With, you know, with the background of the pandemic, you know, happening in our lives, dictating how uh, how we live our social lives, dictating our habits. It's uh, it's been it's been a really difficult time. I do miss seeing you all in person. I and and having coffee in the morning and having chats together in the mornings. And hopefully and prayerfully, this too shall pass soon. Um, we pray and uh, we are this morning, as Pete said, continuing with our series, the Highlands of Faith. And without any waste of time, let us read our Bibles in the book of Psalms 122. And I'm going to read it. Reads as follows. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up to, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There the thrones for judgment and the thrones for the house of David are. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May the peace within your walls and the security within your cardinals. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your security. We are now, we have just come out of Psalms, um, uh, last week, we, uh, two weeks ago, we did Psalms 120. In, in Psalms 120, that is where we recognize that we are flawed and sinful being. It is a psalm of repentance, getting us out of environment of deceit and hostility. And hostility, it sets us on the path to God. In verse 2 of Psalms 120, he says, Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and deceitful tongues. And in Psalms 121, this Psalms 121 is a place of determined trust in God, trusting Him to work His will and purposes in our lives. Guard us against evil in the midst of difficult and challenging times, especially in the times in which we find ourselves 
today with the pandemic in the background we go to bed with one set of rules and then we woke up to a differently to a completely different set of rules and the sum and the psalmist says in Psalms 121 I will lift up my eyes to the Lord from where comes my help coming from one some uh, for coming from Psalms 120 a psalm of repentance a place of repentance we went into Psalms 121 a place of determined trust in God and today we're moving on to Psalms 122 and this is a psalm of worship and that is what we are going to talk about today the psalmist says I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The other version says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He goes on to say, our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem. When reading this verse in this passage, I get the sense that the psalmist was saying those who waited at his gate waited with, waited with a sense of excitement. They waited with an uncontainable sense of excitement, a sense of anticipation. They were anticipating to hear God speak. We have to remember that Jerusalem for a Hebrew person was a place of worship. It was a place where they were reminded who God was. They were reminded whose they were. Jerusalem, a place of worship. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 62 verses 6 and it says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. Jerusalem was a place of pilgrims, a place of constant worship where people's relationships with God was nurtured. As Pete Batten taught us um, two weeks ago that three of the most important festival in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Jewish uh, calendar they happened, all the three festivals happened in Jerusalem. History also tells us that Jerusalem was teeming and it was full of life. It was, as one writer calls it, a vibrant city. God's presence in the city drew people from all over, from all over the surrounding cities and further afield. What attracted people? It's not the fact that Jerusalem was booming economically or it was just a vibrant city. It is the fact that God was present within her walls. God was present within her walls and that brought people. As a result, that brought people and, and brought businesses to the city. This made me think, what attracts people to us? What attracts people to church? The, what attracted the psalmist, what made him to say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I suspect that what attracted him to the house of the Lord was the kind of worship that brought heaven down. The kind of worship that nurtured his relationship with God. It is the kind of worship that breaks all barriers and puts God at the center of everything that we do. That will make people want to come in for the first time and for more. If you look at verse 4 of the psalm, it says, it says, 
that this is where the tribes, plural, the tribes of the Lord go up to to praise his name. There was diversity in Jerusalem, a place of worship. And the psalmist celebrates that. He says that is where the tribes of the Lord go to tribes, all of them. In other words, this was because, because this was a place where anyone can come in to worship without fear of judgment, discrimination. This was a place where anyone can come to worship God. with their culture, with their food, with their music, with everything that made that culture what it was and unique. They came to worship the maker of the heavens and the earth. They came to worship the God of diversity. In Romans chapter 12 verses 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He goes on to say, and this is your spiritual act of worship. Quite often we, we think that worship is just about music, but worship is not just about music. Worship is not the genre of music we create in our Spotify or iTunes music libraries along with other genres of music such as jazz, country music and the 80s greatest hits. But worship is an environment. It's a space we create in our lives to honor God, to hear his voice and to remember what he said and to pour our hearts out to him in gratitude. Worship is not only just limited to and confined to what we sing in terms of song, but worship, but worship is when we allow, is when we allow God to invade all aspects of our lives. It's when we allow him to invade all aspects of our lives and allow his presence to seep into our normality. It's when we allow God to fill us with so much of himself that he seep into our just normal day-to-day lives and decision-making. As Augustine once once wrote that a Christian life should be an hallelujah from head to toe. In other words, the way in which we live should reflect our worship in our finances, how and where we spend our money. Ask ourselves, is what I am buying good? Does it benefit or exploit those who made it? Were they paid well? Were they treated fairly? Even in our relationship, how we respond and react to certain situations. I know that sometimes I don't particularly respond very well in certain situations. And in fact, my responses are the complete opposite of what my worship life is. In fact, I respond, I respond the opposite way in which I know into the life I know I'm called into, the life of worship. Even inviting people in our homes to come and experience God and experience encouragement and, and to, say, to have a sense of value at our dinner tables. The dinner table is one of the most powerful tools in and outside the church, period. Make your dinner table a place of worship where God can sip into normal conversation and change lives. One of the most important and biggest things that God ever asked me and Anne was that I am going to use your dinner table. 
I need your dinner table. I know that this might sound weird, but I believe with all my heart that some of us, God is calling us to use our dinner tables more. Because our dinner tables is going to be a place of worship where, where God can sip into normal conversation and change people's lives. God is calling you to use your dinner table as a place of worship where he is going to transform and change lives and he is going to pour himself out to those who sit around it and they will be glad to have set at your table a place of worship. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 the apostle Paul says whatever you do work it wholeheartedly as though you were doing it for the Lord not merely for people. May I suggest that this is particularly true in the context of worship. Whatever you do, in other words, let it be a reflection of how, you, of how and who you worship. No matter how small or normal that might look, let God use you. Let God, allow God's presence to fill you up so much that it seeps into normal day-to-day life and that's what worship looks like and that's what makes people glad and that's what makes draws people to God. Worship gives us structure and a clear sense of direction. I don't know about you but life can be overwhelming at times especially in these days of the pandemic. Anne and I find ourselves in a very peculiar situation where we're both key workers with two kids with two kids to look after. Take them to school, bring them home, find things for them to do without wanting to kill each other in the process. I have I have found this one particularly challenging and it has made me even and more respect for the single parents who have to who have to do this on your own. If you are a single parent and you are doing this on your own in these very difficult times, you are doing phenomenally well. God is with you. You are doing great. And uh, me and Anne have each other and we are struggling. So heads off to you all single parents out there. We are praying for you and God is with you. You are doing phenomenally well. I start work at 5.30 in the morning, finish early enough to pick up the girls from school, and then I bring them back from school. I have to find things that will keep them off the screen, uh, off screen, and then have to cook, prepare dinner, wash up, and I have to and I have to answer endless amount of questions, of homework questions in the process whilst doing all of these, whilst doing all of these things. And comes back at six o'clock in the evening, tired. We eat together. She helps put them, she helps put the kids to bed, and then She's just tired, comes back, does all the marking, everything. It, it can be incredibly challenging. It can be very intense. It can be very overwhelming. There can be a lot of noise in our lives and in our heads. As Pete Batten told us a few weeks, a weeks ago, there can be a lot of voices in us that want to be listened to. I find that when I am confused, overwhelmed, tired, and disorientated, I find refreshing and a better sense of direction when I create space for worship. When I prioritize worship in my, in my life or in my day, 
Worship allows me to fulfill my other priorities of the day with a little bit of ease. Because once I start in worship, I can do things better because of it. It reconnects me. It recenters me to God. Worship is what recenters me, me to God. Because if you read in Psalms chapter 16 verses 11 in the King James Version, David says, you show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. He goes on to say, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Worship is what recenters us to God and it makes us to do life a little bit easier because of we started with the priority of worshiping him God and he reminds us whose we are. He's redeemed, loved and forgiven. Worship is how willingful obedience looks like, if willingful can be a word. Scripture tells us, let everything that has breath praise him. This is a willing act of obedience. It is not forced or coerced out of us. It is something we do willingly. We express our hearts in gratitude. And for, and for me, what gives it such profound meaning and significance is that we get to do it willingly. We get to do it because of we want to. We get to do it because of we know who it is we are worshiping. Please notice that I did not say we get to do it because of we feel like it. We do it because of we want to, because of we know who it is we are worshiping. Now, we don't do it because of we feel, to, we feel like it, but we do it because of who he is. We do it because of he is, he is worth it. Sometimes we can convince ourselves into thinking that by doing something when we don't feel like it, it is being dishonest and somehow hypocritical. But this is not true when it comes to worship. In the book of Acts chapter 4, the apostle Paul and Silas, they cast the demons out of a slave girl who had followed them for days, shouting, these are men of God, and shouting all kinds of things. Paul, I imagine, Fed up and tired with the shouting, he casts the demon out of the slave girl. But the owners of the slave girl are absolutely upset because of they were using her and the spirit in here to earn money because of she was doing some really weird, weird things. So the Bible says, the Bible says in verse 23, after, after, after the owner reported Paul and Silas, the Bible says in verse 2, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in, pis, in prison. They were bitten with whips and sticks and goodness knows what else. Verse 25, and this is very crucial and important. It says, verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They worshipped. I don't think they felt like it in that moment. I don't think they had the keyboard playing holy pads and pianos in the background for them to start worshipping. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think they felt like it, but I think they knew who it is they were worshipping and whose they were. They did not feel they did not feel like it. They worshiped because of they knew who they were. Psalms 150 says, and I paraphrase, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing great greatness. Let everything that has breath praise him. Not because of we feel like it, but because of he is worthy of it. In the book that we are doing following, um, following the series, in the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson says this. 
We live in what one, in one, in one word writer has called the age of sensation. We think that if we don't feel something, there can be no authenticity in doing it. He goes on to say, but the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. He goes on to say, worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling that is expressed in the act of worship. We obey the command to praise God in worship, our deep essential and need to be in a relationship with God is nurtured. Worship because of who he is, not because of how we Feel. Worship develops feelings for God, not a feeling expressed in the act of worship. God has been so good to us. He created and redeemed and restored us back to himself. Even when we sinned and turned away from him, he was there to welcome, back, to welcome us back to himself with our brokenness and with our mess. Worship, Eugene Peterson says, is a natural honest and a logical response to his goodness to us. Worship is where we find forgiveness in repentance, a place where our burdens are lightened and our yokes are made easy. Guilt cannot stand in the presence of true worship. It is where we find whose we are, limitlessly loved, unconditionally accepted. Worship, Eugene Peterson also say, as I finish, Worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. In other words, worship is what keeps us coming back for more. It is the depth that keeps calling us even deeper. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that, Lord, you will show us that, Lord, as we worship you, our burdens are made lighter and our yokes are made easier. Worship is what nurtures our relationship with you. Worship is what reminds us of whose we are. Worship is a place where we go and we pour out our gratitude at your feet. Worship is what us reminds us how great and how marvelous you are. This is what you've called us into. May our lives reflect who we worship. May our lives reflect whose we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.